When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Yes, lads, UFC fighter Jack Sawyer. You can catch me on the latest episode of Ace Podcast Nation. Make sure to give him a subscribe on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash Ace Podcast Nation. And uh, looking forward to getting back on there soon. Speak to you soon. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation and welcome to the Danny Button Show. This is episode 56. This is the Danny Button Fight Show. We're going to talk a bit of latest news. We're going to have a look at last night's boxing and then we're going to do a little retro review of UFC 11. So those of you who followed the, uh, the show from the start, I guess, when we had the first lockdown, we did some retro reviews. We started at UFC 1 and I think we made it to UFC 10. Or ten and a half, I think it is, uh, and then we uh, up to UFC eleven. We're gonna, as I say, talk about the boxing from last night, some some other little news pieces, and uh, and yeah, we'll have a little chat. But uh, happy New Year to everybody, and uh, of course, as usual, you can catch the this show and all the other shows we do on Ace Podcast Nation video versions, youtubecom nation and the audio versions at all your usual podcast and radio platforms. But uh, with no further ado, let's bring in the man himself. He is an ex-Cage Warriors world champion. He's fought all over the world. And he is the co-host of the Danny Batten Fight Show. It is Mr. Daniel Batten. How are you? Right, so I, hello, listeners. I uh, hope you all had a good new year. Um, let's hope it's a better one than last one. <laughs> Shouldn't oh, yeah. be hard to beat. Shouldn't be hard Can't to be beat worse. at all. Couldn't, could not be worse, mate. Could not be worse. Um, so... I apologise to people if I'm like looking around a bit. It's because I'm trying a new camera angle and a new camera, so it's a bit. I'm a bit like not used to where it is, but we'll get there. We'll be all right. But uh, yes, so we're going to talk last night's boxing, mate. But there's a few little news bits first. We'll go through. Um, British boxing has been suspended until the end of January, uh, at least after an increase in COVID-19 cases. Um, I mean, I don't know about you. 
I'm not surprised there's an influx of COVID cases after Christmas. Um, I was expecting it. We've been in tier four in Wales since before Christmas, um, just before. And I know you just said you're in tier four now. Yeah. It's strange. Like the normal people, like yourself and me, we seem to have been ready and expecting the increase in cases. The people who run in the country and making the decisions don't seem to be prepared for it. Yeah, uh, I, I think everyone feels the same. They feel that the government clearly don't know what they're they're, they're doing. But uh, you know, I, I get at the beginning, no one really knew what extent this was going to have an impact on a country and on the world. But uh, you know, now we pretty much know what it's all about and what's got yeah. to be done. It just needs to be, have one real hard lockdown. Um, as frustrating as it is, because I think this is just aggravating everyone. It's like bandaging up a wound and then unwrapping it before it heals properly and, and injuring it again. It's just aggravating. Um, I think yeah. um, one of the big problems with it, without getting all into politics and stuff, is um, like every lockdown, every time you do a tier four style lockdown where businesses, non-essential stuff closes, is more and more businesses are losing money, more and more businesses are going out of business. Mm. And I think what... It's all very well saying, oh, you know, you, you get this money and you get this money if you're self-employed. Like, but that doesn't last forever. And, like, people are losing houses. The, the mental health the mental health implications on people, I think, are getting greater and greater. They've got to find a better way to, to manage it. But then equally, if the cases keep rising, it's difficult to say, oh, you know, do this or do that because you just don't know. Like I know my particular area, there's a massive increase in cases over the last few weeks. But it is really yeah, boxing. It, um, I'm not surprised yeah. that they've they've just said, you know, give it a month. Um, but it has put off some big fights. Uh, there was a European bantamweight title fight between uh, Kareem Garifi against Lee McGregor and um, Josh Kelly versus uh, Russian David Avanesian. Uh, for the European title fight are both going to be off because they were in January. Um, you know, it is where it is. Um, you know, Eddie Hearn has done a tremendous job in... Well, I say Eddie Hearn. Predominantly, Eddie Hearn has done a, a very good job of getting boxing on at all. Um, so I think they just... Like the like we said with Cage Warriors and UFC, mate, they, you know, they deserve credit for getting it on and I'm sure they'll get it on as soon as they can once... This suspension is lifted by the powers that be. Yeah, yeah, they, they've not got any finances. I mean, it's obviously people with a bit of capital behind them that can pull it off under these yes. very uncertain times. Well, um, UFC, garden, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. I mean, UFC have really led the way. Um, Cage Warriors follow suit in similar fashion. Um, but fair play mm. to contenders. Contenders that managed to get a show on last year, and that was a bit different. It was all done with viewing from a car park, like the old cinema drive-throughs um but you know it worked and and it got an event on so yeah there's no reason why boxing can't get it together and, and put on some regular feature fights why not indeed you'd like to like to think so mate um it's uh, gonna be interesting what happens over the next year from many different uh, perspectives i suppose from fighting to other sports and beyond and you know just day-to-day -day life mate i suppose as well but mm -hmm. um moving on to mma uh, i saw a quote from chaos williams yesterday he said he felt that he 
deserved the win over uh, Michel Pereira at the last UFC of 2020. Um, he said he did. For me, he said Pereira did more dancing than damage. But I don't think necessarily uh, when he goes to the judges, it's not necessarily about the damage done, is it? Always, it's about the intent, uh, positions. Yeah. There's, there's a whole lot of different stuff, and I think I thought Chaos Williams lost. To go be honest, yeah, and yeah, I no, I think to win. Uh, I think likewise, but you know the, the guy obviously has got such a desire to win that unfortunately that desire gets so much it gets deluded in one's mind. Um, but uh, you know it was a close affair, you know initially, but not close enough for it to, to swung the other way. Um, the issue with going the distance with prayer is the fact that he's so visual that yes. other people look like they're stuck in the mud in comparison. So uh, rounds can slip away so easily. But um, the times it went to the ground as well, though, Chaos was underneath, if I remember rightly. So, you know, mm. that's not going to look good either. But Chaos is definitely a, a star in the making. I think he's going to have a fantastic career. But he just shouldn't look back now. He should only look forward. and It won't do yeah. nothing for him uh, being sore and about the, the, the loss. Yeah, know, he's, uh, he's really on top of it. Yeah, and he's been looking amazing lately, though. He really, really has. Physically, um, his performance is now a little bit more educated. You know, he's not so crazy. Sometimes his flamboyancy led him to lose through his gas tank running out. Um, but, he yeah, he's getting it together. Much in terms of time, though, had he? Like, he hadn't been tested no. much outside of a minute or two, which is a problem. Um, yeah. Another one who did superbly well was Rob Font. He looked so impressive in the same show when he beat Marlon uh, Marias, and he kind of, uh, in a recent interview, kind of said, I told you so, people, I think, mm. obviously thought Marias was going to beat him, um, and he lost, and not just lost, yeah. I thought Rob Font looked so good, um, I was really, really impressed with how he, uh, how he looked in that fight, ultimately. Yeah, I would like to see Font tested a little bit more, I know that sounds crazy, with the top of a punt, we just see him beat, but, uh, He's not looked good for a little while, and I yeah, just he think he's, he's no, he? no longer looking complete. I think there's too many chinks in his armour, and um, I, I think a lot of the top guys will find that chink, and Font was just proving to be one of them. Um, I would like Font to be more well-matched all round to, to see whether he really has stepped up. Um, I'm not saying I, I doubt it by any stretch. I just think, you know, for me, for confirmation, I want to see Font go up against another top-tier guy and see how he performs there. Um, but, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I, think, I think he's well up there. He's well up there and doing well. Indeed. Uh, Paolo Costa's manager calls for uh, an interim fight, the interim title fight between Robert uh, himself, Pat Costa and uh, Robert Whitaker, while uh, Adesanya fight, fights Blaucevic. Uh That's a fight which I'd quite be on yeah. to see. Yeah. I, think. I think we discussed it a, bit, a little bit last week as well. I think we mentioned it in potential fights that could yeah. be happening I think that that would be sensible because it keeps things moving it keeps interest in that division why other things happen because that is the issue when someone goes up a weight isn't it? it it can leave everyone sort of like waiting in the queue so to speak but yeah it keeps things going it keeps the interest going in that division I think that's a really good thing and that's a fight actually I really want to see yeah yeah for sure I'm um, UFC wants to do uh George A. Masvidal versus Colby Covington in 2021, according to Dana oh, wow. White. That's another one that I'd really like to see. Did That'll you hear the news as well that uh, Chamaya versus Leon Edwards is off again? I know. 
craziness. <sighs> craziness. Is this the, I think I'm wondering if this is going to be the new Ferguson versus Khabib, and we're just never going to see it. It comes to mind. They are looking. They are looking for someone else to fight Leon Edwards, which I'm happy about. Um, uh, it looks like Neil Magny's throwing his name into the into the mix, but ultimately, like, oh, so frustrating. I was so looking forward to that fight. Um, John Jones says he's got no intention of fighting ever again at light heavyweight. Now that interests me because clearly they've been really pushing up or playing up the fact him and Adesanya fighting. So if he's saying that. Either Adesanya's fighting a heavyweight, or they I suppose they could do it at a catchweight. Um, but then you can't have a title on the line, so it's its all very interesting. Will he change his mind if Adesanya gets his old belt? Probably, in my opinion. I think he will, because his ego will take over. Because yeah, I think it's Dana White. It is the one that says that you know, when you start talking figures, it, it changes people's opinion, no matter how wealthy they are. So, yeah, I think, let's, let's see. I think with it, I think he'd be more... Uh, I think he's more likely to go back down if Adesanya wins the title than he is if they offer him X amount of money. Simply yeah. because I think that would irritate him. That would that would almost like because the first thing Adesanya is going to do is call him out. The first thing people will do is question who's better. Even though John Jones has dominated that division for ten years, Adesanya will say, "Well, you know, I came up." And I got yeah. it straight away. So it's, I just think he'll want to go down and make a point. But maybe he yeah, won't. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is just a little bit of tactics uh, by Jones just to yeah. maybe make Adesanya take this fight with no real convigor because he knows he might not be going anywhere in that division because, you know, he, 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 well, so he, can, he can obviously go places in that division, but he's not going to get his hands on Jones, which I think predominantly is what it's all about. I, yeah. You know, I don't know. Would it take some of the spark in his training out and not perhaps take it so serious? And and I don't know. You know, funny things happen when people talk it up. And you know, you would imagine as a son is doing it all because he wants to fight Jones at the end of the day. But if that's not going to be on the cards at that weight, would he step up to heavyweight? I don't know. Yes, it's interesting. Uh, looks like Nick Day, Nick Diaz, Diaz rather, is not going to be uh, looking anytime soon. Um, sorry, um, I was just looking then. Something. Um, so we got <coughs> Logan Paul or Jake Paul has said he thinks Logan Paul is screwed against Floyd Mayweather. I don't think that's a shock. Uh, mm. Maybe a shock that his brother's saying it. Um, Khabib has said the only fight he'll come out of retirement for is GSP. Oh, um, wow. Which I found so, that really interesting. But yeah, I just wonder I if GSP's got the, the... No, I don't want to say the motivation, but like I'm, I guess I mean the motivation. Um, yeah, have you not seen him, though, lately? He's looking absolutely shredded and, and ripped, and maybe there's been mutterings... Behind yeah, the scenes, he's getting ready already. I, I think that this has been spoke about, and he knows this is a real possibility. I don't think he's ever really truly been out of training, has he? Okay, he's not been in fight camp, so to speak, but he's never really been out of training. Um, no. And clearly, by the pictures that we're seeing, he's in incredible condition. He's clearly looked after himself. Yeah. And th- you know, this guy's a strategist. I think that's the only thing really I can put into the mix here 
if, if my point of view is worth anything, is that GSP, okay, probably part of his physical absolute prime, but he's a well-kept human being and he's a strategical human being. That's that's the difference regards anyone that's fought Habib. Habib's always fought someone who's, you know, uh, really strong in one particular area. Of course, everyone's well-rounded these days, but really particularly strong in one area. But they haven't strategized very well. They, they're not really... They've all looked like they've underperformed predominantly. They, they, they look yeah. like they should match up with him a lot better than they do. I don't know whether it's the occasion getting better or maybe Habib's is just doing stuff that we just can't feel. It's invisible. You know, it's just a presence. It's too big, too Just the way, the way he just does things, yeah, is uh, it's done on a level that people just can't have a sense for. But GSP will have a game plan. Um, you know, look when he fought people like Kozak. You know, this is a guy that on paper was a much better wrestler, and yet Kozak was taken down time and time again by GSP. Look at um, Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz, much more accomplished grappler than GSP, and yet GSP made him look stupid when he shut him down for the fact that it was MMA. And likewise, he does this with strikers. He knows exactly how to use the, um, the, the whole emphasis of MMA to diminish someone's individual skill set um, mm. and make it his own. He's a very, very clever individual. Um, the things going against, really, GSP is the fact that, okay, he's not no longer as young as he was. Um, his face does mark up easy. Um, and, you know, sometimes it takes two punts to beat these top, top fighters. If you have a look, you know, he's lost a couple of times in his career and he's had to come back and fight them again. And he does, and he dominates them in you know incredible fashion when he does get to fight them again mm. but i don't know he's older wiser i think he'll have a really good game plan and that's a fight i would definitely want to watch and i imagine many many other people do too um i think it will be done at lightweight um and uh yeah i just just think gsp will look amazing at that man i want to see it let's get that on that'll make 221 yeah, think, worth it i do think it'll happen i gotta say um, yeah so i was just looking at the leon edwards thing um so Chemaev's out. Obviously, he's got COVID. I think that's the second time he's had it, or was it Edwards who had it? Um, I think, uh, I yeah, I think it's a, someone in Leon Edwards' uh, team, wasn't it? Who had it? Oh, and then right, someone okay. in Plasmat's team, something along those lines. I don't know. I think we're all going to get it at some point. So, the, yeah, the main event has been um, has now been changed to one of the undercard fights, which was Magni versus Chiesa in a welterweight title chase, basically, they're yeah. describing it as. That fight doesn't excite me the same way that Chemayev versus Leon Edwards does. No, I've got to no, say. But, you know, I, but Magnet, it's not I a like terrible Mag fight. Magnet's got a good style about him. He always, always makes for a visual spectacle. And um, I think that'd be a good fight, nevertheless. You know, it's like watching the prelims sometimes. Sometimes the prelims have better fights than the hyped-up fights that we see on the main card. Um, you know, yeah, for sure. There's some interesting you're, fights you're, on that card as well. Um, yeah. So you've got... Um, Roxanne uh, Modafari versus Vivian Arosia. Tyson Nam versus Matt Schnell. I think that's a bit of a sleeper. Uh, Francisco Figueiredo versus Jerome Rivera. Uh, Mike Jackson, of course, who beat CM Punk. Yeah. Uh, and took a lot of criticism because he didn't go for the finish. Uh, he's fighting Dean Barry. Um, Matt Brown is fighting Carlos Conduit. And there was another fight on there which I was really looking forward to. I can't find it. Oh, uh, Le Lerone Murphy versus Douglas Silva DeAndre. 
Uh, Andrade, yeah. sorry, um, looks quite interesting as well. So there's a few little fights on there. Not the um, not a card full of you know massive names. Yeah, but, um, Brown, Brown and is, that, that That's an interesting matchup right there. Have they not fought very before? Interesting one. Or, no, am I, am I getting that wrong? Okay, yeah, that that because they're both you know predominantly past their peak, I would suggest. Um, Indeed. But that, so, that's a matchup to have some interest for me. Indeed, yeah, 100%, mate. So it's interesting because um, so we've got that on Wednesday the 20th, so they're back to the midweek shows, um, and I am delighted to say that on uh, the 17th of January, which is the first week uh, back, so for us it'll be that 20th when the sh- we put a show out on the 20th, uh, we will be joined by Cage Warriors flyweight champion Jake Hadley, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, he's going to join us. We're going to have a little chat about his 2020. Talk about obviously his bout with Luke Shanks, and uh, we'll also be talking the UFC from uh, from that weekend and any other things which pop up. You looking forward to that one, mate? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, having Jake Hadley is going to be so so interesting because we're going to get the other side of the story that we got from from Luke. Um, you know, I train with Sam Creasy that trains with Hadley among many other people that he trains with in that group up there and he's always had amazing things to say about Hadley so you know to get his insight onto the perspective of the sport and um, how he sees the fight game how he sees his own career going because obviously things have opened up hugely for him I, I think this guy is absolutely destined for UFC he's been pretty yeah, damn dominant pretty damn dominant in a in a really gifted division um, and if you look at how dominant Luke Shanks was you know uh, in the way that he took that title and then Hadley, in turn, dominated Luke Shanks. You know, the kid's obviously pretty special. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it'd be too long before we've seen this kid in the UFCs. Yeah, 100%, mate. It's, um, it's going to be really interesting. And I got I can safely say we're excited. So, the UFC starts back up on the 16th. That's the first one. So, that week, that week, the following week after that, when we talk about that, we have Jake Hadley on. The week after that, We've got someone else on who's fought in Cage Warriors. We've never had them on before the show. And then the week after that, we've got someone who's fought in Bama, Cage Warriors, and is a current Bellator fighter who's never been on the show. And I know someone that you know very, very well. Um, he actually fought just before Christmas and won by a TKO. Um, but I don't want to curse him by naming them just yet. But uh, Jake's all set. And what I will do is, because I didn't realise until just 30 seconds ago, that um, the midweek ones are back. So what I might do is I'll try and get um, some of the friends of the show, um, the likes of Ben Ellis or Aaron Khalid or Richard Shaw or, or some of your guys on. We'll get them on for the midweek ones as well. We might have to sure. We might have to switch, mate. We might have to do a, like a live Thursday show, um, to just in like a short forty-five minute one to cover the midweek shows because yeah. Otherwise, it gets a bit much. But we'll go. Um, so, last night we did have some combat sports. Uh, and it was Luke Campbell, Olympian, versus uh, Ryan Garcia. Uh, it was Luke Campbell's first, or his hope of winning a lightweight title fight um, against a very good Ryan Garcia. In my opinion, I said to you just before the show, I saw a lot of British boxing fans kind of saying that Luke Campbell is going to win. And, you know, I get being hopeful. Like, I wanted Luke Campbell to win as a as a Brit, but um, I just didn't see it. I, Ryan Garcia is such a talented fighter. He's so good. Um, 
his body uh, his body punches are a sight to behold they are brutal and uh, he nailed Luke Campbell with a few special ones what did you make of the fight overall yeah, I actually really enjoyed watching it. They look stylistically quite different. They were not only opposite stance, which can create some interesting issues on both sides of, uh, 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 of the game. Um, obviously, Campbell likes to you know sit behind his jab, and he likes to create his points outwardly. Um, mm. But Garcia, he likes to tuck in and was much more fluent. But that was really the defining difference that I saw between them. But both was, you know, one was quite stiff and rigid and very centre line dominant. Then you had Garcia that was throwing in the, the circular shots, the hook shots. But if you have a look um, throughout before that body shot landed, Garcia landed, he was kept on leading in with that left hook a lot to the head. And yeah. I think he was trying to, throughout the rounds, get Campbell's guard higher and higher and higher until that body was, was open in the rounds when he's breathing a little way there. Um, but yeah, only took one heavy shot to the body and he was down and he was out. Um, but really, really good fight, to be honest. But it looked like it could have all gone wrong for him when he got knocked down yeah, in that second round. But um, I think maybe Luke Campbell could, should have perhaps put it on him a little bit more. But, yeah, after the yeah. knockdown, I thought that. I, I really did. I thought after that knockdown, he should have really put, put a bit of pressure on. Because one thing about Ryan uh, Garcia is he's only 22. He's very, mm. very young. Uh, particularly in a fight, you know, in boxing terms, 22 is a baby. And I just felt like when he knocked him down, the pressure was on him then. And that was Luke Campbell's window to really, if he was going to win it, I felt like that was where he was going to win it. And he didn't really pour it on. And, and by the way, I'm not saying, I did. I thought Luke Campbell was very impressive last night. I thought he boxed very well. Um, I just think Ryan Garcia is a very, very talented young man. Uh, and, you know, it's just the start of his career, really. Um, he, he's in the same gym as uh, Canelo Alves. So, you know, he's got some uh, high-class training partners. Um, Luke Campbell's 33. I think that was probably, you know, unless they run it back, that was probably his chance for, for, for the gold. But you never know, you know. Um, and, then, and again, I'll say that again, just so there is no kind of mix mixed messages or whatever. Like, I thought Luke Campbell looked really good. I just thought Ryan Garcia looked better, basically. Um, yeah. Luke Campbell didn't disgrace himself in any way. No, no, no. He, he did perform very, very well. I just, you know, sometimes to get the win, you've got to get everything in lineup in unison. And I just think he just missed that opportunity. I think for him to have a more completed performance, it would have been nice for him to have a good dab at putting it away. Um, but just didn't get that sense of urgency. Now, whether he just thought it was just too soon or whether he thought that he only knocked him off balance and he hadn't hurt Garcia, I don't know. But I think maybe a younger version of Luke Campbell maybe have tried to, you know, chomp Ryan Garcia up after that knockdown. I think, you know, maybe that he is a little bit more seasoned, a little older, he's playing safe. But I think that went against him. I really do. And, you know, but you've got to either commend, uh, you know, the mature head on Garcia's young shoulders or the corner team. Because Garcia come out in that third round, absolutely put it on Campbell and never mm. give Campbell a chance for perhaps in his corner to say, hey, look, we got him hurt. You know, this is a chance to stamp your authority on the fight. You'll get out there and take that next round. He really never got the space to do so. Garcia was really, really fluent in that third round and um, took that third round 
really hard off Campbell and stop Campbell having any confidence to, to build off of that knockdown. Yeah, and what you've got to remember as well, Garcia has never been passed. Uh, uh, sorry, has only twice been passed four rounds. So his last two bouts have lasted less than 180 seconds in total. Right. So like when Campbell's knocked him down, that's why I feel like it was such a missed opportunity because like Garcia's there. No, I don't think there for the taking because I don't think it was that bad of a knockdown. But the pressure was certainly there. It was on Garcia at that point. Um, he's never had a long fight. He's used to kind of coasting through his opponents, certainly in recent memory. So mm. let's let's see what he does now when he's under pressure. And maybe Luke Campbell didn't do that enough. But that, like you say, the reaction from Garcia for such a young guy in a big title fight to get knocked down, get up and then perform the way he did, I think is pretty special, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not an, um, a boxing specialist by any stretch, but the thing was a little bit surprising. Now, maybe this is a boxing thing to do, but generally in all the combat striking systems, if you've got opposite stances, you ideally want your lead foot outside the opponent's lead foot. Now, what was a little strange about Garcia's approach was a very, very toe-to-toe initially. There's both sort of matching each other step for step. But when Garcia was choosing to go in with that lead upper hook, he was doing it predominantly with his foot inside. He was actually sliding his foot inside. Mm. Um, now, whether that's because he was one delivering a shot at the point when he knew Campbell was just covering, and which makes it safer to do so, I don't know. But maybe that's what led him to being put on his ass by getting caught with that cross hand, which is obviously the risk of allowing your opponent to have their foot on the outside of yours opposite stance. Um, yeah, so, sure. yeah, I don't know whether um, I'm more of a boxing specialist will write in and perhaps give us the answer to that, whether that is a boxing thing to do and whether it is okay to, to throw hooks on the inside. I don't know. But I have a guy. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, send, uh, I'll send a little clip to Ben Doherty and he'll let me know. Um, yeah, like yeah that'd be interesting. Boxing, does some boxing training and stuff. So he'll uh, certainly tell us. But uh, ultimately, it was a very enjoyable fight and it certainly gave us our... While we got no UFC against our combat sports, Phil. Um, yeah, because the thing is with boxing as well, sometimes you can get real sleep fest, particularly with the heavyweights. Um, yeah. But you know, this wasn't. And um, you know, just to say, you know, out of all those rounds, round five, Garcia was really incredible. Mm. He, he kind of looked like very Sugar Ray Leonard in style. He was yeah, so yeah. fluent with his combinations. I mean, some of the combinations were like you know, five, six, seven hit combinations. You know, really. He wanted to win it more. Yeah, absolutely wanted to win it more. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, the other thing as well, uh, I just remembered someone sent in an email, or I can't remember who it was, a DM it might be, and they said um, they'd like us to cover Ryzen in Japan because um, there was one of them on uh, over the weekend. And whilst I, I, I've watched, I only watched a couple of the, those shows before, um, and I'm familiar with the one of the commentators, Showdown Joe, because uh, he used to do a lot of MMA back in the day, and he was working for Fightful for a while. Um, I would watch, I'd be happy to cover a bit of Rising, particularly when the UFC is not on. The problem for us is being able to watch it, um, finding the right place to watch it. So I'm not sure what where it's streamed, like in terms of if it's pay-per-view or if it's available. It's not. I know it's not on UFC Fight Pass, for instance, I I don't have the zone and I have no desire to get it either. Um, but we'll look into it for sure. But obviously from next week, we'll be bringing back the the look at the rise of Jack Shaw. 
we'll be doing UFC 12. We'll have a look if there's any boxing uh, in America. And ultimately, I don't know when Bellator's next event is. I'll have a quick look at that in a minute. But mm. we'll find, you know, we'll have a look and we'll do some stuff. We're also yeah. happy to answer questions that people send in and whatnot. Um, yeah, I think we before, said you, last before you know it, it'll be the 16th again anyway. Of so. course. Yeah, but didn't we say last week, you know, if anyone wants to write in about, uh, you know, any fights, particular fight, to look you know, at. Yeah, yeah. It, even back from the strike force days, I mean, they put on some amazing bouts and WEC, that, that was another really, really good promotion that had awesome fights. Um, yeah, we could go further back to Pride, I suppose, but then you're, you are getting that dated version of MMA. Um, when you look back, I think you'd be surprised how... Right. Can you say primitive? Because they were rounded, but it was primitive. There were clear differences in, in level compared to today's MMA athletes. Yeah, 100%, mate. I'm, I'm sure someone will send in a fight for us to look at because I know uh, there was one viewer who was going to go back and look. Uh, he was going to look at some strike force fights and see if he could pick one. So we'll have that as well. We'll, we'll have a few different things to look at. But um, to finish us off for the last sort of 20 minutes, half hour, let's go with uh, the UFC 11, mate. What did you make of this this tournament, this this uh, this show overall? Yeah, it went back to having some really quick fights, wasn't it? Um, some of them yeah. didn't last even up, up to a minute. Um, by the you know, fighter tapping out, conceding, or the ref stepping in really, really quick. Um, I think the highlight regards referees uh, stepping in. I think he broke that, um, you know, when McCarthy jumps in to stop, I think he forearmed across the nose of that Brian Johnson and broke his nose. Mm. Um, I don't know whether that was actually a true fact or not, but uh, Brian Johnson was pretty peeved off by the way he got torn off the, uh, the opponent. So, um, but yeah, there, there was some, some, some quick fights. Um, yeah, it wasn't my favourite one. I've enjoyed some yeah. of the other... You know, retro ones. Um, there was a couple of long-winded, boring fights, um, and ones that were just too quick. Where nothing really much happened. Where the level of difference between the both athletes was was huge, and it was like yeah. back in the very, very early UFCs. Yeah, that's problematic then, isn't it? When there's such a big, uh, a big gap in talent or quality, ability, whatever sure. you want to say, it yeah. can be a bit of a mismatch. I was just having a quick look to see if there was any. Bellator uh, events scheduled for the next couple of weeks. I can't find any, um, but I'm sure they'll be coming soon enough. Um, it doesn't seem to be any announced. But yeah, it's only, I think, what, so what are we? We're the third today. Next week will be the 10th, so it's the week after, really. So yeah, it's only actually, yeah. It's only next week. So we'll do, you know, we'll do what we discussed just now. Sure. Next week. Well, it's not a UFC 12 next week. It's a UFC Ultimate, ultimate, which I was thinking that was one of the ones we were really looking forward to. But um, let's get into it. The uh, the first fight was uh, what was it? Mark oh, Coleman, Julian Sanchez. Mark Coleman, Julian Sanchez. That's it. Yeah, um, uh, I mean Julian Sanchez did not. No, absolutely. I mean, there wasn't hardly a blow by blow in this one, was there? <laughs> I mean, Mark Coleman. Everyone knows Mark Coleman, a fantastic wrestler. And a guy that sprinkled steroids on his cereal in the morning. Um, it looked uh, totally contrasting to Julian Sanchez. Julian Sanchez was a big, big guy, a lump of a guy. But as a skillful martial artist, no, no, he wasn't. And and he completely showed up, really. Uh, Mark Common shot in, got him down with the first attempt with no resistance at all. And was um, 
quickly put into like a head and arm choke. I forget the actual name of what they call it, but you, you see a lot of the old school wrestlers do it and old school catch wrestlers. He had a few punts at it, which didn't work at first, but after a few more softening blows, um, Sanchez soon succumbed to it and uh, tapped for his way out. Ooh. It didn't go very long in at all. If I asked you to tell me when was the last or what was the last, either the date or the last UFC event that uh, Mark Coleman fought on, what would you tell me? Um, uh, Crocky fought. Um, okay, so I'm going to say, was it something like 110, 115? Was it as oh, late as that? One, it was 109, UFC 109. 109. He, fought, uh, yeah. he lost to Randy Couture. He fought Brock Lesnar, I think, at some yeah, point yeah, as yeah. well. Um, he and then quite, he only retired three years ago from MMA. Not from yeah, UFC. but he he's another one that you know, uh, like Randy Couture. He had a heart attack a, a year or two ago, didn't he? And I know mm. Mark Coleman. He's succumbed to a heart attack, unfortunately. Ah, um, yeah. So yeah, definitely he's be in no the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fame. I mean, he, yeah, he's so iconic. Um, one of the successful wrestlers who used ground a pound. There was nothing beautiful about what he did. He just had that incredible wrestling. Um, ground a pound well he, he learned enough about the submission game to avoid a lot of the submission attempts um, yeah him Mark Kerr you know that style they're just they're just iconic for that style they, they were the ones that put the wrestling on the map regardless of an effective system in MMA it, uh, yeah. the wrestling it's kind of a, a stick in the spokes of the martial arts isn't it because if yeah. you're a striker you get taken down get smothered and even if you're a good jiu-jitsu practitioner, if they're bigger and stronger than you and submission aware, they kind of just smother your game and you're fighting off your back the whole time. Um, yeah, it was yeah. Um, in this fight, uh, and like he, once he got him down, there was no, uh, you know, he was never going to escape, was he? Um, no. One thing is, it was great to see a young John, big John McCarthy there refereeing. And I do love the way that he gets, like when he pushed Coleman off him, he physically just dives in there. And he establishes there, I think, in these early shows that he did, he established that the referees, if needs to be, will physically get between the fighters. And I think that yeah. was a really important part of, like we've talked before about MMA in the, to the casual fan and, and to the wider audience, having those referees physically get in between fighters, I think visually, for the people from the outside looking in, is probably a good thing. Because it shows that the referees are not gonna uh, like let fighters get injured and stuff. I don't mean for us, but I mean for people who aren't familiar with MMA. I feel like that's a good visual. Yeah, um, well, look, if someone's ground a pound in the granite out of somebody, and a referee just goes up and sort of taps him on the back, he's yeah, not going to do nothing. He's not going to be aware of anything. You have to literally dive in between because some of those stoppages are in the the midst of. Combinations landing on the feet and predominantly on the ground in a ground and pound situation. Okay, you've obviously got um, submissions in that equation too. But when someone's going balls out, trying to knock someone out or finish someone off, you've got to step in damn quick and you, you've got to put your body mass in, involved to make it decisive. Um, and I, just, I don't think it's a bad thing that a ref should be of decent size just in case the fighter does carry on and get too much. I mean, we have seen it. You can watch a really good compilation on YouTube of referees getting involved, um, you know, physically yeah, with fighters sure. because they they were not towing the line and was not stopping. I think it's a good thing to have um, a strong athletic dude in there. 
Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, next up was Brian Johnston defeating uh, Razor Nasri via TKO strikes 28 seconds. So even quicker than the second fight. What did you make of this very yeah. quick affair? Yeah, yeah. Um, if anyone knows who Brian Johnson is, the late Brian Johnson is not around no more, unfortunately. Um, you know, he, he was a you know a jacked up, energetic, young, tenacious fighter. Um, I've just got something come up on my thing. It's all right. Just right, Brian, Brian Johnson. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah uh, okay, that Nashry looked like he he could do so. He looked a little bit skillful on the feet, looked well balanced, but you know it went down to the mat. And um, I think the referee stepped in on this one. I don't know whether. I could see an actual tap. I didn't have very, very clear footage on the footage I was watching, but it was over just so, so quickly. And I don't know whether it was actually consequential strikes that were landing or whether the ref just stepped in. But um, I wrote it down as a referee stoppage. I'll have a quick look now. Oh, I've actually, down, yeah. On the official results, it's down as uh, TKO. Oh, is it? Uh, okay. Just have a look. got a fight. Yeah, it was a bit unclear. It was a bit unclear to me. Oh, he slammed him down though, didn't he? Yeah, really he did. Big takedown. I'm not sure if he's knocked out from the takedown, but he eats a couple of big shots ahead. Big shots, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there was no tap. The referee's. St- I think he's. He's just. Referee's just stopped it, basically. Yeah, um, I think that's. I think they were stopping the fights uh, a little quicker because there were still took some big shots. Mind in that one. Yeah, done. But, you know? but, I think. I think it's. I think it's because they're knockout rounds and people are breaking their hands. You know, laying in. Mm. And then they extra unneeded shots, yeah. And I, I think maybe it was stopped a little loader, so fighters are a little fresher. You know, but going to what once... you were saying, mate, about the referees uh, needing to be able to get stuck in, like Brian Johnson was fired up and he yeah. was smashing, smashing Nasri to pieces. Like, yeah. if the ref hasn't pushed him off him, he's going to keep going and going and going. Um, yeah, yeah. He gets up and he's. It looks like Brian Johnson had got caught just before the takedown because he's got like old blood coming out of his nose. Well, that, that was what I was saying. Um, I, I don't know whether, because um, he was angry at the ref, and I don't know whether Johnson's nose got broke By the when ref. the ref jumped in. Yeah, because he, he got yeah, forearms across the face. And he was really right, so off. He broke up a bit when he was talking ah. just about that bit. Um, ah, there you go. That makes sense. Yeah, I suppose and big, you know, John McCarthy's a big boy, isn't he? So yeah. you got to get a forearm from him you're gonna feel it um, yeah 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 next up tank abbott versus sam atkins we finally got a proper fight at least for about two minutes and six seconds uh with a forearm choke is down in the official results uh tank yeah. abbott picked up the victory talk to me yeah yeah i mean the takedown didn't take too long to get but yeah sam atkins had something to give back for a little while but really not for long i mean when you when you look at this guy's record he, he's like um what is it it's like 20 and 7 oh, no, yeah. sorry 7 and 20 so yeah it, it's not exactly a, a successful fighter by any stretch but um, yeah yeah, he had a little bit more resistance in him but how unusual to be submitted with a forearm choke you don't see many of those uh, although there was one in sort of recent times wasn't there an unusual forearm choke we covered one in UFC didn't we yeah, really really well and it's really some, yeah um, but that not so. I mean, you would probably see it predominantly back then, but really unusual to get that sort of finish. But then again, look, Tank Abbott's a big, heavy, solid dude. Um, I suppose impressing on the side of your face and neck is going to be enough for you to to tap out and see another day. Yeah, another sure. one that did last on a couple of minutes in, and it was all over. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, mate. I was uh, my 
wife just texts me about my young child who's not very well. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I just had a quick look to see if there was a uh, who it was. Um, Alexander Romanov pulled off a, a forearm choke at UFC Vegas 13 recently. Right. Uh, versus Marcus Rojo de Lima in the first yeah. round in the little old used forearm choke. Yeah. So, yeah. Good mem- that's good memory, that is, mate. We watched so many fights, like, I, they all blend into one. Yeah, uh, I mean, I couldn't start hitting you with the names, as you know. I, I struggle yeah. with the names of my own family. But, um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that did stand out, because I know it's a, a rare submission to pull off. It's actually one of my favourite submissions to do, pressing mm-hmm. down on the old, with the old forearm, when I, when I grapple people. So beware, anyone you. that comes down. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so next up, we had uh, the last... The last, the last bout of the quarterfinals, which was uh, Jerry Bolander versus Fabio Gurgel. This one went to decision, uh, which is unusual at this time in the UFC. Uh, full 15 minutes uh, with Bolander picking up the victory by unanimous decision. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Bolander was one of the first sort of like complete fighters. He actually had skills in all areas, could wrestle somewhat. He, he had some grappling capabilities and um, had decent enough striking as well. Fabio Gurgel, as we know, is a, a very, very accomplished, like four times world jiu-jitsu champion. The only issue I ever had watching Fabio Gurgel, because I'm a massive fan of his grappling, I, I, I've really enjoyed his jiu-jitsu over the years, mm-hmm. but, but was the fact that he set was to fight off his back. And okay. he's skillful enough to stop anyone being able to ground, ground and pound him extensively. Um, but as you get wet and sweaty, as long as someone's athletic and, and aware of those submissions, you can sort of avoid that one-dimensional jiu-jitsu, which they had back then. I mean, now they've got more clever ways about going things. We've got leg locks brought into the equation. You've got the new rubber guard that's, you know, brought into the equation to funk up, fighting off your back. Fabio Gojo had no such flair to his game back then as that sort of thing didn't exist. He did have a punt at a triangle and so on, but Bolander easily shrugged it off and went into some ground of pounds. But the fight very, very quickly had a pattern, and that was that, you know, Fabio Gojo was predominantly trying to play counter hunting for a submission or a sweep that never really come his way. And Bolander look, just looking, you know, well-rounded and it yeah. deserved that he got the win. Just a um, bit too, too good, wasn't he, in the end, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah too so, well-rounded, too well. So we had the semi-final of uh, Mark Coleman versus Brian Johnston and Scott Froser versus Tank, Habit, Tank Abbott because uh, Scott Froser had to step in for... Who was it? Brian, no, we're not Brian Johnson, Mark Coleman. So, Mark uh, Jerry, Jerry Boland. Bolander. Uh, Bolander. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, he, so Scott Froza stepped in for Jerry Bolander uh, because, uh, let's have a look. Why did he, what was, uh, so Froza replaced Bolander, who was unable to continue in the tournament due to fatigue and a cut above his eye. Uh, right. Froza was unable to, I'll tell you that bit, yeah. Um, so, um, and this was, this became a bit of a farce in the final, as we'll discuss in a minute. Um, so yeah, so you had the, the alternate. So, uh, the semi-finals were Mark Coleman versus Brian Johnston, with Mark Coleman picking up the win via submission. Strikes, two minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, again, nothing really beautiful. Mark Coleman just doing what Mark Coleman does. Um, Johnston was able to create some scrambling possibilities once he was taken down. And really needed to keep it on the feet and try and work the leg kicks, which we've seen um, at later dates that works really, really well. I think Bolander beat Mark Coleman in later UFC 
um, landing leg kicks on him. Yes. And, uh, you know, sort of picked him apart. And that's kind of what you got to do. Mark Coleman, being a wrestler without any real true striking capabilities on his feet, a very, very flat-footed. And you could take advantage of that by targeting, uh, targeting the legs. Um, yeah, but it didn't. he got put on his back way, way too early, really. And with that kind of energy that Mark Coleman still had, being that he didn't really have a fight that went any particular distance beforehand, uh, was able to put brutal enough ground and pound in for a KO and TKO stoppage. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought uh, it was, I quite enjoyed it for you know only two minutes and twenty seconds. I read a pretty mm. enjoyable fight between the two of them. Uh, yeah, Coleman, Coleman looked good though. I gotta say, yeah, he did. Um, he did. And then maybe in a bit of a shock, I suppose. I don't know if you'd say so, but uh, Scott Ferosa defeated Tank Abbott by a unanimous decision. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. This was just like looking to potato characters and fighting it out in the cage. I mean, not to be disrespectful of them because mm-hmm. they 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 both do come to fight. You, you know, we all know about Tank Abbott. You know, he was always there to fight. Not exactly, um, you know, a pioneer of athleticism in yeah. MMA. Um, it looks like you know he should be going in there with a beer bottle in his hand. And mm-hmm. um, I can bet you, you know. I can bet you a lot of money that he had a beer in his hand not long after each um, fight uh, UFC yeah. that he ever competed in. I know he was straight to the bar thereafter. Scott Frozo, this guy is actually quite effective. You know, he can wrestle. He's super aggressive. And for a lump of a guy, um, for the guy with very, very similar physique as Sam Cabot, really has got a bit of cardio about him. You know, he can do a burst of explosion and um, and keep that going throughout a long, drawn-out fight. So what I really initially saw here was Tank Abbott being more aggressive with the hands, able to sort of out-wrestle in terms of getting Frozo up against the fence. Yeah. But up against the fence, once Tank Abbott began to gas a little bit, he was just using the, the fence grab to pin him up against the fence. But what did impress me regards what Scott Frozo was doing was those knees. You know, a couple of those knees was lifting Tank Abbott off the ground and maybe helped uh, what gassed Tank Abbott out and stopped Tank Abbott being so yeah, aggressive sure. like we know he, he potentially can. Um, yeah, it did get a little frustrating to watch because they would get space between them, they would throw a few bombs and Tank would drive him up against the fence. Yeah. We kind of had the repeated performance each time. Frozo was really trying to go for the win though. He's trying to obviously be devastated with those knees. He was hitting the back of the head, trying to create knockouts, but that wasn't working for him. So he was also trying to pull Tank Abbott's head down for some attempts at guillotines and, and maybe to come off the fence and um, do like a head and arm drag, try and get it into a grounded situation with him on top. But Tank Abbott was just too savvy for that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I say, it, it began to get a little bit uh, repetitive, um, but it had its moments. It had its moments. You, know, you yeah, won't sure. see two fighters looking like that. Um, fighting no. each other this day and age, you really won't. No, no, you will not. Um, so that was it uh, for the big, and we'll tell you why. So from uh, those semi-finals, the fight final was Mark Coleman versus Scott Ferozo. However, Scott Ferozo was injured, could not continue. He was already an alternate himself. There was one other alternate, which was uh, Robert Traverton. However, he broke his hand during his alternate match. Uh, so the championship was given to Mark Coleman via forfeit. So it was quite a historic uh, UFC pay-per-view for some of the not-so-great reasons. Um, it featured an eight-man tournament as well as the two alternate bouts um, in case there was an injury. 
Um, in my opinion, they probably shouldn't have done the alternate bouts because they didn't need to. Because yeah. you just risk injuries to the alternates. They should have just had yeah. them there. But equally, this unfair to them to jump in. Afresh. Yeah. Yeah. Because you had that with Steve Jenham in a previous UFC and UFC 3, was it? Steve yeah. Jim and uh, uh, Steve Jenham come in and. Yeah, uh, oh, but mind you, did, did, but I don't know whether he did have a fight. Maybe he had had a fight. Well, someone uh, won, but he was fresh they? anyway. They were all, an alternate in one of them, and they came in in the final, right. fresh as a daisy, and the other guy yeah. fought two guys. Yeah, so I, d- I do get a couple of I do get fights as well. Nuts, but look, doing tournaments like that um, really are just risky, not a good yeah. idea. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to run smooth. It's like especially you know, back then when the fighters weren't as fit and uh, like. They weren't as physically fit. They weren't. They yeah. didn't have the stamina. They they weren't as technically good, which meant mm. that they weren't. You know, they weren't hiding behind their jab. You know, they were taking yeah, damage sure, and sure. giving damage. Um, yeah. So due to multiple injuries and fatigue, there was no alternates left to continue after the semi-final matches. Uh, as I mentioned, Robert Travan uh, Travan had a broken hand after his alternate match. Championship was won by forfeit. Uh, Rich Goins returned as the uh, ring announcer for this show. Uh, the event did a buy rate of 92,000. was the one of the least purchased events for the UFC in history. Um, it was, uh, and this was not long after they brought, because so in UFC 10, they brought back the tournament format for the first time in a while. So this was like the second one after that. Um, this was the one, uh, this was the first and only UFC tournament to end by a default and uh, due to Mark Coleman winning by default and the vast amount of short matches the pay-per-view was called incomplete disorganized by viewers um, Igor Vorchakchin was invited to fight a UFC 11 but he could not uh, participate due to visa issues as well as uh, a dissatisfaction with the monetary offer uh, so this one sounds like it was plagued with issues mate yeah it doesn't sound too clever and that was a th- really a thing it looked like they were trying to uh run events when certain inevitable hiccups were going to happen they had mm. no real uh, logical means of solving it um but it you know anything that's going to go through uh even evolutionary process yeah uh, for, for something that's new is i suppose you're going to have those sort of Headache issues, but look what it become with a bit of perseverance. We've got the kind of UFC that we got today. Yes, but I mean, and I, I and you talk about the evolution of it all. Um, so the next event which we're going to cover is the Ultimate Ultimate or UFC eleven point five, uh, and this is another interesting one because in the run up to this, uh, Ken Shamrock appeared on uh, Late Night with Conor O'Brien, Conan O'Brien, sorry, uh, on the mainstream NBC network in America to promote the event, um, which was widely considered quite groundbreaking for a sport so young at the time and you know the UFC was trying to legitimize everything and be up there with boxing um Mark Coleman was originally scheduled to fight in the tournament but was forced to withdraw due to a virus um so I'll go through some of the people uh, who did feature because it is uh, you know this was going to be built this was billed basically as the the best of the best of the best because um <clears throat> supposed to be the best of the best anyway isn't it uh so the alternate bouts uh mark hall felix mitchell steve nelmark marcus bullset ty bowden and jack nielsen uh and one of those fights ends via submission to headbutts so that'll be interesting unfortunately we don't always get to see the alternates uh, which is a shame um 
the tournament's made up of Ken Shamrock, Brian Johnson, uh, Tank. This is the first round. Shamrock Johnston, uh, Tank Abbott versus Cal Worsham, Don Fry versus Gary Goodridge, and Kimo Lepaldo versus Paul Valerians. Now that's uh, a bit more like it. That's some, yeah, some there's some interesting big, names, big names from the past right there. Some big, big dudes there, mate, as well. I tell you, some big yeah. dudes. Isn't um, Kimo Lepaldo, he's that one. It was, uh, wasn't he like a film guy as well? Uh, am, I he's, him? am I mixing he's, him up with someone else? His former coach in the UFC where he fought and lost to Hoist. Um And his coach oh, yeah, name no, was Joson. And yeah, Joson went on to fight Keith Hackney. And he was receiving the groin punches from Keith Hackney. He's wearing his, and he's, he become a film star. Or not a star, but he was featuring in films. But now I think he's a lifer in prison. I think he, he killed a man. That's he was right, involved yeah. in bad things. Yeah, he was like, uh, Joe Sun was like, uh, he was uh, like, what was he in? He was in something, wasn't he? Like a UFC. Yeah, quite, quite a, um, he was in a fairly big, big films, film. wasn't he? And yeah, then, but I think he was in for something quite wasn't small. Wasn't he in James, it, James Bond or something like that? Quite possibly, yeah, yeah. But I, I know, that, I I, I, if I'm correct, I'd have to really research it on Wikipedia. Yeah, he was, uh, he was he was odd job in one of the James Bond films. I thought yeah. he was. Yeah, um, but, um, which, you know, but it's massive, isn't it? Didn't he get put in prison for something yeah, trivial, yeah. like uh, something quite small? I mean, not quite shoplifting, but maybe like a car offence or something like that. And then he killed someone in prison. It was something along those lines. But um, um, it's quite an interesting story about him anyway. Because he was a coach, wasn't he? And then yeah. he fought and he got into an argument, didn't he, when, when he was coach. Uh, and then the following year, he fought the person who had an argument. And I remember uh, Joe Sondo, uh, they used to go by. Um, so let's have a look. Yeah, so he was odd, odd job in James, uh, not James Bond, I, I mixed that up. He was um, best known for his role in 90, 1997 movie Austin Powers, uh, International Man of Mystery, as Random Task, which was a parody of James Bond's ta- character Odd Job. Right, that's where I got mixed up. Uh, previously, Senate appeared in several low budget action films uh, The Joshua Tree, Blood Fist, um, you know, just some sort of. B movie kind of like all you know all those ones where there's like a lot of fight to the death and shoot fighters and stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, his MMA record is uh, zero and four. Right. Which is uh, interesting. Yeah. Um. So let's have a look at his. That's what we were looking at, wasn't it? Was uh, his criminal convictions. So uh, he pleaded guilty to felony vandalism in 2008, uh, where he was sentenced to probation and 60 days. Uh, on August the 18th, a month later, he was taken into custody and given an additional 90 days in jail uh, due to a violation of, of his probation. Um, as a condition of his original plea agreement, he was provide, uh, He had to give a DNA sample. And then in early October, his DNA was linked to a 1990 Christmas Eve gang rape. Wow. Already in yeah. custody for the probation violation. He was arrested. And uh, yeah was charged by California um, for the gang rape, and he was charged with all sorts of horrific stuff, by the way. It's yeah. Like some, I wouldn't necessarily talk about quite here, but... Yeah, it gets pretty can, bad. I'm just reading yeah, it down. Yeah, uh, Jesus I Christ. did read this back along, and I know it's not, not good. Oof. He was uh, yeah. sentenced to a maximum... It tells you how bad it was. 
and some of the stuff that was involved, he was uh, faced a maximum sentence of 275 years to yeah. life. He will um, not be seeing daylight again. Yeah, I'll say that. Jesus Christ. And when when you yeah when you look down at what he's done, yeah, no wonder. It's a pretty bad, dude. Mm, Jesus Christ, that's horrible. Um, yeah. Well, that's a ruin the show, Danny. Thanks for that. Thanks for making. No, no, no. I don't mention it on Danny, but you know, it was a bit about him killing someone. He was accused of killing a cell. Oh yeah, he killed Michael a Thomas Graham in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, who so. was a convicted sex offender after right. what we read about him? I mean. Yeah. Which is ironic in itself, isn't it? Oh, well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Joe Sun, nice guy. <laughs> Fuck. Right. Not. Yes, indeed. So, next week, UFC 11.5. Uh, we will also be discussing Jack Shaw. We'll have a look where we are in the rise of Jack Shaw. Um, because we obviously were in the middle of uh, going through different Jack Shaw fights as his rise towards the UFC. Um, sure, and then we'll also have a look. If no one sends us uh, a fight, they'd a boxing or an MMA fight they'd like us to watch. We'll we'll come up with one. We'll pick, yeah. up, pick one yeah. ourselves. Yeah, you should pick one. I'll pick one, and uh, it'd be great to review something. Indeed, um, yeah, well, and we of course we'll uh, we'll talk the latest news and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. um, a nice, quick, sharp, short show just to keep you keep us in your minds. Um, if you do have any questions or anything, of course, you can always send them in to uh, at DannyButtonFS on Instagram or Twitter, or you can email Ace uh, contact at gmail.com or message any of the Ace Podcast Nation uh, social media pages. Send in those questions. We'll always be happy to answer them. Um, in the meantime, though, we're just building up for the, for the UFC season to start again on the 16th, and then we'll be back twice a week for a few weeks. So. Uh, be sure to catch us. In the meantime, Danny, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it's good to start off the new year with you, Si. And, uh, yeah, bring it on. Bring on the UFCs. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be good. We've got some cracking guests coming up and some cracking shows to cover. It's going to be amazing. In the meantime, we bid you a farewell. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That helps us a lot. The best way to support us. In the meantime, bid you farewell. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Sports Social Podcast Network.